Professor Bryn Brown's research shows that vulnerability fosters good emotional and mental health. It is a sign of courage. We become more resilient and brave when we embrace who we truly are and what we are feeling. The Vulnerable Scientist Podcast is a space for scientists to tell their honest and authentic stories. I am your host, Saranya Kerry, who happens to be a scientist, informal science communicator, and I help scientists create personal websites. If you want to support this show, go to www.patreon.com slash the vulnerable scientist. You can also follow this podcast on all social media platforms at TV Scientist Pod. Hi everyone, welcome to the Vulnerable Scientist Podcast. This is your host, Saranya Kevi, and today I have Nyawera with me as a guest on this show, and I'm excited about the conversation we're about to be having right now. Nyawera. Yes. Welcome to the show. Um, kindly introduce yourself. Okay, my name is Nyawera Murioki. Most people commonly know me as Joy Stella. I'm a graduate in biotechnology and I graduated in the year 2018 from JKUAT with honors. I'm currently in the corporate industry, but like many other scientists, I had my hands in research science, particularly in Kenya Medical Research Institute before transitioning to what I currently do. Thank you. So uh, maybe tell us the journey to that got you to where you are right now, uh, maybe a background of what has been happening before. All right, all right, okay. So what has been happening is I have been a student in JKUAT. It is my second year and I'm looking to go for industrial attachment. So I look up a few of my connections that I had and I was lucky to land an attachment in Kenya Agricultural Research Institute now known as CARO. So I went there and worked in the plant pathology department, then went on to work in the molecular biology department. So at this point of my life, like any other student who is studying biotechnology, they already can see their life planned out ahead as a research scientist. Any ambitious student is, is set for that. Huh? So I leave Cairo and go back to school in my third year. Here I meet one of my mentors who actually is still my mentor to date. And he's, uh, he had a position in Camry as a senior researcher and was also in charge of the molecular biology department. So I sought out to go for attachments. They are now the official industrial attachment. And we were quite a group of uh, students. We went there like about five students in the molecular biology department. So we went there and we found, uh, one of his students was doing a big project, very big, well funded. And the student uh, was kind enough to allow us as undergrads to to segment our small projects under him. So I took up a small project that was working on antimicrobial research. Uh, I was looking at AMR in mostly domestic animal um, feces. That was what I was looking at. And also, I also looked in, apart from looking at fresh feces, I also looked and assessed the AMR profile in manure because we, I was trying to identify if the manure we use is safe for us. So I did that project and my supervisor, still my mentor, uh, was supervising the project. It ended very well. I defended in fourth year and I cleared well. Then I got also a chance to interview for an internship position in Camry, still under my mentor. 
he had about uh, is it four or five slots? He had four slots, two for our joint project of Camry Ilri and two for his own project in Camry. So me and a friend were left in Camry and my other two colleagues went to Ilri. So I did internship for about six months and after six months uh there was a chance to renew the the, the internship but I, I decided not to renew. And um how did I now transition to corporate? I transitioned to corporate in what I would say in a circumstantial manner yet a very self aware manner. Circumstance because when I looked around my environment in Cambry, I was not satisfied with what I saw. Most of the people that I would say in research science had spent so much uh, sweat before they had a, a chance to even be a research assistant. I had seen people who had spent four years in internship before getting a role, a contract role, not even a permanent and pensionable role, a contract role. And these four years, you probably, one of them was paid, the other three were unpaid. So these are people who are surviving from hand to mouth. I had also seen people who did very well, had gone to do their master's, some even in Cambridge University. Actually, one of them who is still a close friend of mine had gone to do his master's in Cambridge University and coming back to an industry that is not receiving him. The industry was not receptive at all. And I couldn't understand why there is this gap. So most people who I had seen, some had done their master's, they had not found roles. So they went on to do their PhDs in, in, in various uh, countries. And... I would always ask them, why are you going back to do your PhD if a master's did not land you a role here? And they're like, now what do I have to do? I don't have a source of income. So it's like leaving off the means of a stipend. The stipend becomes your income. And then, you know, now at least when you do a PhD, you might get a chance to do a postdoc, which now will place you at a better position than when you have a master's. So I transitioned from research science out of what I had seen. There are, of course, a very good, very many cases that also went well. That is the cases that were able to learn roles after their masters and everything. But the majority of what surrounded me was the opposite. So I transitioned to corporate through a mentor I would acquire. I acquired somebody who I had seen had a very good profile in terms of the academic background. He had done biological sciences. And I could clearly see he was doing well in life. And I just went down and sat down with them and told them, you know, uh, my internship is being renewed, but I don't feel like I want to go back to science. I want to come to the corporate industry. And he told me, there are a few places that you can begin. And one of the easiest places that you can begin is to become a professional medical representative. Then when you get in, when your head is in, you will know what you want to become in corporate industry. And that's what I did. So I started out as a professional medical representative, which is not a big role. It's a small role where people... Uh, just detail the products of pharmaceuticals to doctors and woe the doctors to prescribe them the medical products. And then in return, the company is able to grow their, their sales force. So a little, the, the big thing or the best thing about medical representative for me was the fact that I could be able to live a comfortable life. I was given a good remuneration. I had not seen that before in, in research science. So that was one of the reasons why I stuck in the corporate industry. And then Halfway into medical representative, I realized, oh, people here become brand managers. People here become country president. Pharmaceuticals are, are looking for people who have done biological sciences to be the bridge between them and doctors. And that's how I applied for the role of scientific business executive, which is what I do now. 
I work at Laborex Kenya Limited. Laborex Kenya Limited has been in this country from about 1911 or 1914. It's now owned by the Toyota Group of Companies. It's the pharmaceutical arm of Toyota Group of Companies. And under it, we have quite a number of foreign companies that come under it. And I work in one of those foreign companies. What I do is to be in charge of chronic therapy brands, cardiovascular and diabetes. And the scientific part of it is I spend most of my time researching online on scientific articles, what information I can get that can enable my medical representatives to have a mature conversation with doctors. Because you can't go to doctors without scientific information. And for you to go with scientific information, somebody needs to have thoroughly researched that information and cleared it out for use. So that is basically what I do, Sarah. Over to you. Okay. Um, I'm curious. Did you know about biotechnology before you enrolled for biotechnology? I wouldn't say I knew too much, but I knew something. I was inspired to do biotechnology by my then biology teacher who happened to have had an MSc in biotechnology. I didn't know she was actually an MSc graduate. I didn't know she had done research in India. She was doing research in India before coming back to Kenya and deciding I want to settle back in Kenya and I'm going to settle back as a teacher. So she settled as a teacher. She's the one who motivated me to do biotechnology. She told me the different areas that I could venture into from plant pathology, molecular biology, everything. And plus, in my academic journey, the only language I, I best understood was science, biology, and chemistry. I didn't I wasn't doing very well in other areas. I was really good at biology. So I always knew my career path would take something in biology. Okay. Um, so let's go to the highs and lows that you've experienced in your career path. This is actually a very interesting um, you know, journey, uh, especially because I, I, I think I'm aware that you're young. Uh, maybe you can put that in if you want to, if you want to. But I want to understand the laws that maybe you experienced. Maybe let's start with that. All right. Okay. Now, one of the things that young scientists um, encounter is lack of proper mentorship. I had mentors in science, and they have been very, very useful in science and also outside science, because I have kept my mentors, the ones that were within university. But I must also agree that somehow my mentors were not truthful of their laws. They only allowed me to see the highs. So all through, I kept knowing, I want research science because this is what my mentors are doing. This has been their journey. I did not get a good and clear picture of what their laws were. We need proper mentors in the industry. Mentors who can not only tell students, look, I'm doing well in biotechnology, I'm doing well as a research scientist, but also I would want to teach you how to be adaptable, flexible, and ready to change. I think that was one of the biggest laws I have encountered in, in, in my career. The lack of the mentorship that is so real that it tells you here it's like this, here it's like this, but you can do this. I think I only had a chance at at seeing people excel so much in research science that when I I was transitioning, 
they were not telling me by the way you know so and so transitioned and became this and this way later when i have transitioned is when my mentors connected me to their own friends who transitioned from research science and are doing very well in big multinationals pharmaceutical multinationals tell talk of astrazeneca talk of rush talk of novartis i only came across that way later and i think that for me has been the biggest blow the other second blow is during my internship period I realized that as as young scientists most of us have um are not being well remunerated to be sincere the economy is is getting very difficult sara and i don't think it's 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 fair for the kind of remuneration scientists are getting as interns and then later after after finishing internships most of them are ending up as volunteers for quite a number of years the economy is way too hard for us to allow ourselves to just give free labor i don't think it's it's okay those are the two laws i have really really struggled with in this journey okay let's talk about the good things the highs well the highs is one of them i currently really love what i do and i i think i couldn't have been where i am today without being adaptable if you are adaptable to the circumstances of to the to the job market right now to the job market eh, the job terrain you know it has really changed these are not the times when our parents used to have if your parent had a degree you know that they did they they finished their degree and they went into jobs now as we finish our degrees we've scored so well and we're not able to to secure employment one of the highs that i totally pride myself in was my adaptability my ability to look at change and pursue change and agree that there is life outside research science and there is science outside the lab that is one of the greatest achievements of my life right now i think my corporate journey also is is teaching me that um in corporate once you are in they no longer focus on your undergraduate they focus on your experience so no one will like in a lab in a lab in research science you can't find someone who has done become in the lab but in corporate this is the first place where you'll find people telling you they are the country presidents of certain big pharmaceuticals and you're asking them what course did you do they're telling you no, i did biotechnology and you're like wow so i can grow this much so one of my greatest achievements up to date is my ability to change my flexibility and adaptability to the certain circumstances i found myself in in the kenyan research science space amazing this is an interesting story to hear um nyavera uh, maybe you could tell us anything that you would have loved to talk about on this podcast relating to career and, and anything else that you'd like to add and put out there Maybe what I can say is as young scientists let us surround ourselves with mentors from different spheres of life let us not be limited to only research scientists as our mentors let us surround ourselves with people who have different experiences in life they are really going to open us up to so many opportunities that we don't know about and the other thing a lot of hard work a lot of aggressiveness a lot of adaptability will probably place you in tables spaces you have never even imagined you would be and something else I'd also like to just talk about 
especially those who are doing biotechnology. I just want to say that outside, there's so much for you. Beyond what you know, there is so much for you. So much. You can't exhaust it. Sarah, imagine in this country we have big, big pharmaceutical multinationals like AstraZeneca, the one that gives you COVID-19 vaccines. It has put camp in this country. It has been operating for over 20 years. In this same country, we have multinationals like Novartis. Novartis is well known for its anti-malaria drugs. There is no drug that beats Coatum in the market for malaria. In this same country, we have the biggest biotechnology firm, Roche. Roche is in this country and has been in this. In fact, it works under Laborex, where I work. It's under Laborex. It has been in this country for years. In this same country, we have big, big multinationals like Glenmark, like Asino. Name them. All of them, Denk Pharma. Name all these people. And all these people only look for one thing, biological sciences only. They don't look for anything else. They are looking for biological sciences graduates to do what? To fill up their roles as medical representatives, one. To do what next? To become product managers, two. To do what? To become brand managers, number three. To do what? Number four. To become patient journey partners, that's number four. And so much more you can't exhaust. What I'd like to say is be adaptable, be flexible, and look for mentors across not just research. It will help us. Um, talking of pharma, what what are your thoughts about uh, production in Africa in terms of pharmaceuticals? So, in matters production, pharma production in Africa and Kenya as a whole, we don't see a lot of pharma production. But this is partly um, influenced by the fact that we lack good policies, enabling policies that could allow us to attract people or investors who can come into the country and choose to produce rather than import medication. But I must also applaud three, I think three firms right now, three pharmaceuticals that I know are doing local production. One of them is Dawa Life Sciences. Dawa Life Sciences is, is, is somewhere along Babadogo. It's actually the first pharma company to locally produce diabetic medication in this country. It is the first. It's doing very, very well. It has a number of therapies and it's also locally producing them. The other one is Laben Alid. Laben Alid is based somewhere along Mombasa Road. It's also doing very well. It has a, it cuts across various therapies from antibiotics to painkillers. It's also locally producing those. And the third one is Square Pharmaceuticals, which is a key, key player in the pharma industry in this country, but has not been locally producing. For the first time this year, they're setting up a production unit along Adi River, where EPZ used to be. They're setting up a production unit there. And the fact that we can see such milestones being made by certain pharma companies means that it's possible. However, we need more better government policies that are not limiting, rather be enabling for production to thrive in this country in matters pharma. Because if you clearly look at the business laws, importing is a cheaper option than producing in this country because of the various laws and regulation introduced under production. I don't know. I don't understand these things. Um, um, I'm kind of curious. Who is supposed to be doing this uh, to pushing 
these policies to be amended and you know make it easier for people to even set up business yeah All right, the existing farmer industry, the locally existing farmer industry, the companies that I was mentioning, can also play a role if there is a, a form of um, assembly or organization that they can come under and champion for these laws. But most importantly, it's not even the role of the private sector. Yes, the private sector has a role to play, but it's also the role of the government to find the, the spaces of production in terms of laws and fix them. It's not the, the, the sole mandate of the private sector. The huge ba burden lies on government alone. Government policies, PBB, you know, the Pharmacy Poisons Drugs Board, such people, those are the people who are supposed to be pursuing production in this country. Okay, great. Thanks for coming in. Maybe you could mention some of the people that have been instrumental in your career growth, just to appreciate them if you want to. Okay, if I am to mention, I would start with my the academic mentors. And I'm greatly indebted to people like Dr. Moses Njire, who would have no problem for me mentioning him right here. He would have absolutely no problem. He's a molecular scientist. He lectures at JKUAT. He was very instrumental throughout my academic journey and also very, very instrumental when he was looking at my project, when I was getting attachment, when I was getting um, internships. He gave me all the recommendation support that I needed. Number two and one of the greatest uh, mentors I'm forever indebted to is Dr. John Cairo, who is now the national head of COVID testing in the country. He is the one who gave us a placement at um, Camry. He's also the one who has been instrumental in leading me to find other mentors who went a different path apart from research science. He has really been been helpful. And of course, some of those that now I have attracted in the industry now. But I'll be most comfortable to mention those two. Thanks for coming. Now, um, this has been a very short uh, conversation, but I think it has, you know, um, covered most of the things that I'm, I'm guessing you wanted to talk about. Um, yeah. Thanks. Bye. Right. Um. Maybe before you just leave, I had a question. What was the? Mm. What was? Why were you starting the vulnerable scientist? I rarely find scientists who are into podcasts, into YouTube channels. What was the motivation behind this? First of all, before I answer that question, what do you think is the reason why most scientists don't are not in that space that you've mentioned? The question has bounced back to me, all right. I think it's um it's lack of exposure, probably. Because as I said, most of us have the mentors that are only in the lab doing a lot of research. So we are pumped to look that way. We we barely look the other way. Maybe. Okay, thanks for asking that question. So um uh, I I won't get tired of answering this question because I'm very passionate about it. The reason why I started the Vulnerable Scientist um, podcast is to... Okay, before that, I, I am a science communicator. Um, it's something that I, I was interested, introduced to uh, because I came from a blogging space where I used to talk about personal stories and maybe talk about the things that I've learned Atlantic Plus and maybe giving it to the world and the, letting them know about this space. Then... I came to be 
someone called uh, Dr. Tawanda Muzushingi who told me, uh, since you have a science background and you you also in the digital space, why don't you just integrate them? Because there's this space that is not uh, explored as much, but it's a good space for you to grow. And that's how I got into science communication. But along the way, when when I in, in that space, I I kind of I don't know. I got confused. I wasn't sure if that space was for me. So I wanted to just go back and restructure myself. And in that process, I thought, let me just get busy and. That's how I got into school and did a master's. And while doing that, um, this master's had, had done internships before in the communication space and in the, um, lab space. But when I, so I had a lot of confidence when I was coming in and, um, it, it got to a point where things weren't working in my project and it was working that it stopped working and, it was very frustrating for me because I had timelines in my head. I'm a perfectionist. And when things weren't working for me, I got very frustrated, very, very frustrated. And yes, I wasn't being pressured or anything, but, you know, um, I'm someone who believes that I have to show the worth of what I've been given. And that self-pressure made me go to a very bad place. And the thing that got me out of there, or rather the thing that has been getting me out of there, is having this authentic, honest, meaningful conversations and deep conversations surrounding the things that happens when you in the lab. Sometimes things don't work. Sometimes, you know, um, and that came from people having conversations with people. You know, I, I'm not, I'm a very introverted person, introverted person. And, um, once I was able to have a conversation with someone and they talked about, I talked about my problems. I was saying, Oh, this thing is not working. Then they talked about their problems and say, Oh, my things also don't work. And I was like, wow, people would just walk around here. They're looking confident, but uh, sometimes things don't, don't work for them. And I, I, I came out of that hole slowly just by hearing people's stories. Now I started con- communicating with more people and they said, some people said, mine has never worked and you stopped even actually doing it. And I was like, wow. I mean, I'm not alone in this. And seeing people maybe in, in the middle of something and something doesn't work and they express that, they, they kind of, you know, their face changes or they get angry or they produce some sound. And for me, it was kind of funny and I don't know. I'm not supposed to be laughing, but I was laughing. It kind of, it kind of felt normal. It kind of felt like there's nothing wrong with me, and there's nothing wrong with something not working. Sometimes science can really humble you, and having that made me kind of want to, you know, I was just wondering, what if there's someone else who is going through the same, but they don't have someone to have that conversation with. They don't have someone to be vulnerable with them and tell them, you know, sometimes things don't work. I wish I could maybe just have a recorder and record this conversation to this person because they're so honest and, you know, they're so healing, you know, just hearing someone's trouble. They're so healing. And at the same time, it's good to hear good stories at the same time, just hearing the triumph out of a certain thing or, hearing the happiness because there's a certain, you know, you'll see someone so happy when something works and it's, it's a very beautiful thing to see um, someone so happy and that's also a very good thing to capture. So 
this is why I, I started this space, the podcast space. Because before that, I had started the video serious space. But it was very hard for me to get scientists to come in and talk about them because of the reservations they have when it comes to doing videos. And uh, it was also hard for me to... It, was, it took a long time to edit the videos because I don't really have experience in that and I had to consult someone to do that. And it took so much time that I really didn't want. It wasn't like according to my timelines and it was kind of frustrating. So I thought, let me just work with something that I can learn from and the audio was the best thing. Plus, I'm not very comfortable on video. So I thought, how many more people are not comfortable on video? So audio is the best way to go. But I'm still transitioning to that. Anyway, to answer the question is, um, I felt that it's important for people to have those conversations that talk about the failures and the things that do work and the things that work and celebrating those things so that it's good for the person who's talking about them for me i feel like it's it's a very good space to just talk about things that you don't normally talk about at the same time it's also good for the person who's listening and even if they never talk about them it's a way of them talking about them it's like someone talking about their problems on their for the on their on their behalf or something yeah and also it's also a space you know um I've been very critical when it comes to exposure. Um, I feel like if you're exposed, there's more things that you can do when you expose about people's experiences or what is out there. So um, you'll find that the people, the people who thrive are the people who are exposed to people who are in a certain space. Like if you know someone who's done medical, whatever, whatever you're doing, sales and uh, or maybe in the business side of things that you you are in and hear what they've done and how they navigated that space. It's easy for you to have, like, um, I don't know, a guide on how you can navigate that space if you're interested in that space. But if you if you don't have that, and you can't have that if you, you can't have that if you um, you're not co- having that conversation with someone, and not everybody can have conversations with everyone. So if that information is put out there to the public or to, um, you know, space where anybody can have access to it. It can benefit anyone to just grow in anything that they want to do or either run away from it if they want to run away from it or other see other options that are out there or see that if if I want to go through this this um, line, then this is the things that I'm... This is, these are one of the things that I might, you know... Um, experience and maybe through other people's experiences you see how maybe you can navigate that maybe a hurdle that you experience because it's the hurdles or the failures that actually uh, covers it's not the wins really yeah so that's why i started this piece and i'm loving it so far i'm loving that people are coming in and telling their stories and it's it's actually good therapy when people say, <laughs> I have heard most of my guests say that it's good therapy for them. And it's actually good therapy for me. Wow, wow, wow. That's that's quite inspirational, by the way, because, you know, scientists barely get the chance to see how it feels to go home after inoculating a plate and waking up to nothing the next morning. It feels so bad. So it's therapy when they get to share how they feel it's i think it's it's really nice and i wish that this piece had been realized earlier but since you're here i think let's continue telling the stories let's continue hearing the different sides of these stories because they don't end the same way they don't go the same way at the end of the day it's the diversity that we appreciate thank you so much sarah for having me thanks for coming into the podcast